92nd Psalm this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, we've been talking about the ABCs of Christianity. And the reason I'm doing it, we have so many young believers in the church. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. And we just want to get you a good, strong, biblical uh, background about what salvation is. And not only do you get saved, you've got to keep serving God. You've got to keep serving Him day after day after day. Now pick up with me here in Psalm 92, and we'll read this real quick. Verse number 12, Psalm 92, verse 12. The righteous shall flourish. One translation says, the uncompromising shall prosper. Ooh, I like that. The uncompromising. What is he talking about there? You cannot compromise the things of God and think that you're going to prosper, okay? Get a hold of this. I can't compromise the things of God. The uncompromising shall flourish like a palm tree. Now, when I see stuff like that written, I really got to dig in. I, I like to find out the symbolic references here, the palm tree. You know what's incredible about the palm tree? That it grows so high and straight, but it never bends. It may sway because of the wind, but it never bends. And I believe that's the way God wants us to do. You know, you're going to go through this life and have some things come after you, but you don't have to bend. You can be like the palm tree. And then he goes on to say very next, He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. The cedar in Lebanon represented durability and stability. In other words, no matter what the elements that were coming against it, it was going to be stable and durable. Now, I believe that's how God wants us. As believers, as the righteous, the uncompromising, we'll be like a palm tree. We'll be like the cedars of Lebanon. Okay? Keep reading. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. If you'll notice there, it didn't say those who show up. Those who attend. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And I don't know about you, I like that word flourish. But one translation says, where it will flourish in the courts of our God, it says, in the service or the works for our God. For the service or the works for our God. Verse 14, they shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. And so part of being saved here, guys, isn't just for me to be saved and going to heaven. Part of salvation is for me and you to be servants of the Most High and to proclaim God's goodness right here on earth. God didn't call you just to be saved. He called you and He saved you. Salvation is about me. My calling is about others. And to get them to heaven. And that's God's goal for each one of us. Now let's go back into the the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And as you're turning there, Jesus himself said in John 18, 37, he said, For this cause I was born. For this cause. Now these were Jesus' words. He said, For this cause I was born. And Jesus' cause was so vital 
that he died for it. And he makes this statement for this cause. And so every one of us in this room, guys, time is ticking on our lives. And I ask you this question, what cause, if any, will define your life? How will you be remembered? What will your legacy be? And I'm not talking about how much money you made on this earth. I'm not talking about how many things you have. I'm talking about what cause will you be remembered eternally? See, each one of us will have to answer that question. Now, thinking about this, you may have heard this statement before, but everyone who is born dies. But not everyone who dies has truly lived. And so when I look at this, there's a cause factor in all our lives And the cause factor as believers is not just to go to church. The cause factor as believers is for us to be the church. Every one of us in this room. And so this is another element of salvation that we're going to talk about today. That you have a cause factor. And we want to learn about what your cause is here today. Ephesians 4. Let's begin in verse 7. But to each one of us, I like that. But to each one of us, every one of us, grace, God's unmerited favor, was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, and he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now this, he, Jesus, ascended. What does it mean but that he also first ascended in the lower parts of the earth? So what this is saying right there is Jesus, when he died on the cross... He descended into hell. That's where he went. And when you study the scripture, he destroyed the works of darkness. Colossians 2.15 says he disarmed principalities and powers. So before Jesus ascended into heaven where he's at right now, he descended first. Now I want to highlight something there. It said he gave some gifts. Jesus gave some gifts. Verse 11. And he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Now I want you to note there that Jesus gave those gifts. You can't earn them. You can't, you can't go to, to Walmart and buy them. Jesus gives them. Now, when you look at what he's talking about there, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, Jesus put those inside of men. I'm one of them, guys. Sorry, you can't send me back. You're stuck with me. Okay? Might as well get that. But what I found out about these gifts, and many of you will remember when the man Sandy Culkin came here a few months ago. Sandy Culkin is a great man of God, and I said this out of my mouth. I thank you, Father God, for the gift you've put in Sandy. Now, the reason I said that is because he's just a man like me But what I've found out, guys, is when we honor what Jesus has honored, there's a huge blessing that comes with it. That's why you hear of evangelists that that go into third world countries and they have great moves of God. You know why? It's like the man who went into Kenya. And when he went in there, this, this pastor of the church, his people started coming up. They took his shoes off and they washed his feet 
they begin to wash his head. And you know what the man said who was an American? He said to the Kenyan pastor, I don't like him to do that. And the Kenyan pastor looked at him and said, you the man of God? And he said, yeah. And you know what he said to him? They're not doing that to honor you. They're honoring the gift that God placed in you. And they know when they honor that gift, God's going to show up. And you know what? He does. He does. Now that's not my message today. That's not what I'm talking about. Many times we see these first five that are listed. But if you'll notice there, there's just the comma. Paul didn't stop his thinking there. He said this, starting in verse 12, for the equipping of the saints. It isn't fivefold ministry gift to me, guys. It's sixfold. It's the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, and the saints. And we're all people, guys. And what I found out about the first five, they can't function without the sixth. And the sixth can't function without the other five. So you know what I realized? We need each other. And what did he say right here? For the equipping of the saints. Now listen what the word equipping means. It means to make fit. To prepare for training. Perfecting. Fully qualified for service. So there must be some things that we need to be equipped for to fulfill Jesus' cause right here on earth. Now look what the cause of the saints is. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Now some of you did not know that, that you were called for the work of the ministry. You were called for His purpose. Not just your purpose. And I said, guys, there's, there's one thing to be saved and there's another thing to be called. You are to be equipped for the work of the ministry. you got a calling on your life. Keep reading what he says. For the edifying of the body of Christ. And so when I look at this, I think, what would happen if every person in the church begin to do their part? How many of you go, before you go to a, a place, a great event, or something that you really look forward to, what is the draw for you to go to that place? I think about it, the draw for me to go to events is how welcoming it is, how accepting it can be, how much energy, how much life, how much music. How much, like I said, acceptance and excitement where people are connected. See, I like an atmosphere that's saturated with all that. And every word that I just described, I'm describing what I believe should be the church. I believe this is how the church should be. But it takes every one of us where this church breathes with acceptance and it breathes with welcoming, and energy, and excitement, and it breathes with the greatest music in the world. Think about that. When you go into stores, there's always music playing. And, and whatever the music is before long, if you're not careful, you'll be singing it. You'll join right in. See, this is how the house of God. I believe when you leave here today, you ought to be singing, Santo, Santo, Santo. You ought to be crying out to God. But this place should be more energetic than any other place we go to. I think we ought to be hooting and hollering, clapping, shouting. 
That's the God that we serve. That's what God wants our church to be. Now, when we talk about equipping here, the equipping of the saints, the first characteristic or first qualification that God is looking for is availability. Availability. God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. That ones that will come to Him and begin to say, okay, Father God, I'm going to make myself available. See, guys, it's the water, not the hose, that makes the difference. It's the water, not the hose. And so all we become is instruments for God to work through. Now, I think back in my life, there were, there were times where I really began to grow spiritually. I don't know about you, but that's a great characteristic for a Christian to grow. When I begin to hunger for the Word of God, and I begin to develop a time in my life to pray, I really begin to grow. But the other area in my life where I saw myself just grow incredibly was when I began to serve. Something happens when you begin to serve. Remember, for the work of the ministry, that's serving. And I remember one of the first things I ever did as far as serving. They asked me, they said, can you drive a bus one time a month on a Sunday morning? Well, at the time, I was having to go round trip. It was one hour. So I knew I was going to be an hour here and an hour here after the service. It was a little bit of a commitment, but you know what I said? I can do that. I can do that. And then they said, and you ought to have seen the lawn we used to have. It was the ugliest lawn in the world. But I said, you know what? I can mow that once a month. I'll go and mow if that what it takes. And then before long, I begin to usher. And then they dropped the bomb on me. And you know what the bomb was? They said, we need you to teach the 5th and 6th grade school of the Bible. And I said, God, no. you got to be kidding. I don't have the ability to teach 5th and 6th graders. But when I made myself available, God made me able. He began to help me. And guys, those were some of the greatest growth times in my life because I began to study. I began to prepare. And you who think you're called to the ministry, you're not going to start up here. You're going to start in the 5th and 6th grade Sunday school class and you might as well enjoy the journey. And I look back at those days, I loved them. Because God was developing me. You think I'm a bad speaker now? You should have heard me then. It's horrible. Only those guys would laugh at my jokes. But see, God is looking for availability. And I want to show you this in the Scripture. Go to 2nd... Now, hold your place right here. I'm going to come back here. Go to 2 Timothy, chapter number 2. 2 Timothy. And you know what began to happen to me, guys? When I begin to serve and make myself available... I knew someone was dependent on me. I knew someone was dependent on me. What for? Because there was a bunch of 5th and 6th graders that needed a cause. Now, some of the stuff we have up here represents some of our ministries right here. And when you look at these things right here, I realize, I don't even know what this is. What is this? I know it's for a video. What's it called? Xbox, thank you. You can see I'm Xbox illiterate. But you got an Xbox and you got a Coke cup. And you know what this represents? This represents our youth ministry, guys. 
You know what our youth want? They want our time. They just want to hang out. They just want to be approved. We're always looking for ones to serve in our youth ministry. Let me just share this with you real quickly. They've been doing a series on Halloween all month. I encourage you to go down there in the youth room and look how they've done it all. But we have a casket here at the church. How do we inherit that thing? I know we can't get rid of it. But we've had this casket forever. I, actually, I've wanted to put Ernie in it in the service and let him come out. But I thought if we put Ernie in there, some of you may duct tape it where he can't get out. So, But thank you for that clap. Somebody's in agreement with me. But they had the, the casket out the other night, and they had teenagers that had secrets in their life. Stuff where they had been hurt. And they had them, and they were taking them up to the casket and writing them on a piece of paper and throwing them in there. And, and the, the idea, the concept was incredible. But this is what broke my heart. So many teenage boys came up with things that were in their life that we didn't have enough men, enough workers to minister to them. Jimmy said they had to turn some of them away. And he agreed with me. I thought, oh my gosh, we got ones that are being turned away because we don't have enough help. See, guys, once again, don't sit there and look at ability. Look at availability. This next one here, the glue, this represents our children's ministry. When the children come to the Lord and we teach them about the things of Jesus at this age, this is the glue that keeps them together their whole life. I could use 50 of you right now in these hallways. And I'm not downgrading women. God bless you women. Thank you for serving. We'd be up the creek without a paddle with you guys in our children's ministry. Guys, we need men. We need men. We live in a generation of the AWOL father. And I'm not preaching condemnation. But we have over 60% of our children now are coming to church with no father figure. So you know what they're growing up as? Feminine. Guys, that wasn't God's design, and I'm not against women. But men, males, were created to be males, okay? We need help in those areas. Here's a good one for you. What's this represent, Pastor? This represents our clothing ministry, our faith closet. We have ones that serve up there. Many of you have gotten clothing week after week. We need you to go up there and help. Merry Christmas, Ben. There you go. The coffee cup, it represents our ushers. You can still drink coffee and be an usher. We need you. We need you in our, in our college ministry. The list goes on and on. You're gifted in something, okay? You've got to make yourself available. Now look at 2 Timothy. Chapter 2, verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, when I look at this right here, this was the Apostle Paul, and he was telling to this to this young pastor named Timothy. And he goes on to say in verse 2, And the things that you have heard from me, the instruction, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, if you look at the order, he said, faithful men who will be able to teach others. He didn't say able men who would be faithful, did he? He said faithful first. And so right here, the Apostle Paul is telling him, he said, listen, Timothy, don't look at people's ability and talents. 
you look at their faithfulness and I'll make them able. But you know what we do many times as human beings? We look at one's ability and their talents and we put them in that position. And then you know what we say? Oh, dear God, I hope they're faithful. I hope they're faithful. No, he said, look for ones that are faithful. You know, that was one of the biggest things that I began to see that I didn't, guys, I didn't plan church around my schedule. I began to plan my schedule around church. And that's big for us, guys. That we're not talking about stuff here on earth. We're talking about a cause for eternity. And Jesus watches very closely to on being on time. Being faithful. If you're, if you're uh, uh, on the list to serve, please show up. You have a cause here, okay? This is part of growing up spiritually. And so right here, he begins to tell him, I'm looking for ones that are faithful. Proverbs 24, 16 says, A righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets up. A righteous man may fall. If you'll notice there, it didn't say a righteous man would be perfect. It did say, though, that a righteous man would keep getting back up. It didn't say he would never fall. And so many times what happens is our talents and our abilities may get you there, but only character and integrity and faithfulness will keep you there. How many of us in the sports world have seen great figures athletically? Think about Mike Tyson, guys. Mike Tyson was probably the best fighter ever. He had tremendous ability, but he didn't have any character. He quit being faithful to the things he did or didn't do, and it caused him to lose his profession like he did. Keep reading. Verse 3. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. As a good soldier. And as I read that, I begin to think about all the words that would describe a good soldier. Reliable, dependable, committed, faithful. And you know what, Matt Robinson, Matt is a retired lieutenant colonel. He said to me after this first service, he said, when you talk about what he is about these good soldiers as a Christian, when soldiers come on, the, the base as new GIs and they go through boot camp, they must be trained. They don't know it overnight. And he said, we just keep discipline them and keep discipline them and keep discipline them. And before long, they begin to be shaped and molded into what was expected out of them. See, this is exactly what Paul was telling Timothy. He said, listen, you're going to have to work with some of them. And keep discipline them. What does that mean, Pastor? I'm going to keep giving you the word. And keep tell, uh, helping you to try to learn to be a person of integrity. To be a person that's committed. Now, go back to Ephesians 4 where we were. Ephesians 4. So the first one, guys, God's looking for availability. Oh, man, I don't know if I could ever teach those three, three and five-year-olds. You can do it. Make yourself available and watch what God will do. Ephesians chapter 3 or 4. Look at verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or mature man, 
to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Now, this is the ultimate goal for every one of us, that we grow up as a believer. But look what he says in verse 14, that we should be no longer children. In other words, Paul's saying, the goal for you spiritually is not to remain a child. You know, you may be born again 20 years, but you got to get out of the nursery. you got to grow up. What are some of the characteristics of a child? Look what he says here. They're tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. You know, they'll be misled. And it says they'll turn aside to fables. Now, what does all that mean? Listen, guys, you can't believe everything that's coming from the pulpits. You can't believe everything that's coming from a book. That's why I've said for the last several weeks, guys, make sure that you're seeing Scripture and verse. You can put my name to that too, guys. If I'm not preaching the Word of God or can give you Scripture and verse, you better find it or don't believe it. And so because of this, he says this will keep people children. I knew a guy in this church that did this. Every, every month, it seemed like he was going on every wind of the doctrine. He would come in with what I call Fruit Loop books. I mean, they were Fruit Loop-like cereal. They were so messed up. And I would look at him and say, that is not part of the Bible. And he'd say, this is what this book says. I said, I don't care what that book said. I'm going to tell you guys, if I recommend a book like we've been doing for weeks, there's going to be a lot of Scripture with it, okay? This is what he's talking about. Keep reading. Verse 15. But we must speak the truth in love and grow up in all things into Him who is the head Christ. Now the ultimate goal is to grow up in all things into Him. we got to grow up, guys. And one of the reasons we grow up, or several reasons, we're tossed to and fro. We don't get the Word. Number two, we're not planted in the house of God. But number three, this is a big one. We will do anything and everything we can to go to a concert. We'll bend over backwards to go to the football game, the tech game. All you tech fans today, the sun will come up tomorrow, I promise you. It will. But the big thing is I want you to see this. is talking about we'll bend over backwards to go over the things of the world. But when we say... You ought to go to this class here on church at church on a Wednesday night to be discipled. People will say, are you kidding me? I'm not going to do that. Or to go to financial peace on Sunday afternoon. I'm not going to do that. See, and this is what happens. And, and we know what we're going to do right here in this church? Because we've been teaching on the ABCs of Christianity, we're going to start a discipleship class with, with Pastor and Daniel. And, and Miss Stella right here. And what we're going to do is we're going to begin the introduction 101 to Christianity. And if you've never been there, you need to attend their class. And it will root you and ground you and give you a foundation where you can grow up. But see, this is what he's talking about right here. That we never grow up. Now the second area, the first one is availability. The second area is being a servant. Just to have the heart of a servant. You know our society, you know what it says right now? It's all about me. It's all about me. 
But what about the heart of a servant? Do you know in Romans 1, Paul started out, Paul started out his letter, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. James 1, James started out, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, Peter started out and said, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. So every one of these men, Paul, Peter, and James, before they started their letter that they were writing to the church, they listed their qualifications, and their number one qualification, I'm a servant. I'm a servant. And you remember in Mark 9, when Jesus and the disciples were going on the road, and the disciples were bickering among themselves, and they were saying, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? And remember what Jesus' response to them was? He said, the greatest is the one who's servant to all. Servant. You think about Jesus' life, guys. He said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And so right here, guys, Jesus is looking for servants. Availability and servants. Now look at verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Now there's some words in there you need to really get today. What every joint supplies. It didn't say what one or the It says whatever joint supplies. Now you know what a joint is? Some of you better back up there. Your mind's drifted on me. This type of joint, not this type of joint. Some pastor's talking about stuff he shouldn't be again. This joint here is where two things come together. And it said there, where two joints supply. Now keep reading with me here, because he has great words in here. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. Interesting, huh? Every joint and every part does its share. So you know what that tells me? We're all called. This is Jesus' cause for the church. And what happens as human beings, though, we want to title everything. We want to label everything. And many times we look at things that we think are insignificant and we treat it like the pinky. Well, I'm just the pinky. I'm just the hand. I'm just the nose. And then you have ones that, well, I'm just the heart. Look at me. But see, he said every joint and every part supplies or does its share. You know, I had a buddy when we were in junior high. He was messing around with a lawnmower one day and cut off his finger. And he said this after his finger had been gone. He said, you know what? I never realized how important that pinky was until I lost it. And that's the same as the body of Christ. My point in saying that, guys, is I don't care how insignificant or significant you think you are. We need you. The church needs you. And look what he says here. The working by which every part does its share causes, and I love that word right there, for this cause, it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It causes growth. It causes edification. So that's what we're called for, guys. We're called to make each other better. To edify means to build up. It's not for us to beat each other down. You know, you've heard me say this before. You don't fluke a good marriage. You don't fluke it. You just don't fluke. Now, like tech losing last night, that was a fluke. But you don't fluke a good marriage. 
If it's a good marriage, it's a result of two people, guys, that both supplied their joints that supplied and came together. Well, my point in that is, you don't fluke a good church either. It just doesn't happen. And there's so many of you here that have been such a blessing to the church because you've jumped in and you've made yourself available. But if you haven't, I need you. This church needs you. Now look with me to, to uh, 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3. We're getting close to being done. You guys will amen a little more. I'll preach a little faster. Thank you. There's one in agreement. Hallelujah. Get you home to watch the cowgirls today. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 3. Verse number 4. And we have such trust or confidence through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient or qualified of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency, our confidence, our power, our ability is from God, who also made us, and highlight that, He made us sufficient. Sufficient for what? As ministers of the new covenant. You know what that tells me? He's qualified you. He's going to help you. And a minister is a dispenser of Jesus' cause. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, every one of us in this room today, you are a minister that's disguised as something else. What do you mean? Well, you're a minister that's disguised as a school teacher. You're a minister that's disguised as a carpenter. You're a minister that's disguised as a plumber. You're, whatever your occupation is, you are a minister. So wherever you go, guess what? You're representing Jesus here. He's wanting to be able to use us. But i got to hook up with Him. And when I read all this, guys, Christianity was never meant for me and you to sit on the sidelines. It was never meant for us to be in the bleachers. I should have made a sign here and said this. No camping allowed. You know what camping means? That you've settled. And we weren't called just to come to church and sit our little blessed assurance in these pews and come in and get our little Jesus fix for the week and go home. But I realize so much of the church, we've never been taught. That we have a responsibility. That God wants to use you. He wants to breathe through you. He wants you to be His hands. He wants you to be His mouth. He wants you to be His arms. But you've got to get a hold of this. That I can't live just saved. I've got to live saved and called. And Jesus will use you. One last verse. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. For this cause, for this cause, let me ask you. As, you, as a believer, are you feel, fulfilling Jesus' cause? And only you know that. You either say amen or oh me. But i got to get where I get busy for the kingdom of God, guys. And when you do, see, Jesus never intended us for us to be the Dead Sea. You know what the Dead Sea is? Water flows into the Dead Sea, but it never goes out. It just stays in there. Well, see, Jesus never intended that for to be us. He didn't want the Word, the love of God, just to flow in you and to lay dormant. He wants it to come in us and you be the pipeline. Remember, He's the water and we're the hose. 
Let him flow through you. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Now get this. To those who are the called according to His purpose. It didn't say called for your purpose. It said called according to His purpose. And so if you've never served, man, it's not too late. I'm not preaching condemnation because I'm preaching, we've got to get busy. That this church must become the church of influence, unlike any other time. Stand on your feet with me. You're called. You've got a cause. You've got a kingdom cause today, guys. Every one of us in this room. Many times when people ask me, what can I do? Well, what's in your heart to do? Do you have a passion for kids? Do you have a passion for teen? Do you have a passion to help in the clothing? There's all kinds of things you can do. But it takes each one of us, every joint and every part, doing its share. And you know what that means? You can do more, more than one thing. You can stay really busy and God will bless you. Bow your head with me right now.